This is M.I.P. With Masamela Mafuma. Mark Thompson. Get woke. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us once again, happy to have her back with us. She is the Deputy Director, White House National Economic Council, Joelle Gamble. Madam Director, how are you again today? I'm doing quite well. Happy to be back. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. So tell us about the news, the April jobs report. We have some history or record-breaking numbers when it comes to Black unemployment, correct? That is correct. So we found out today from the Labor Department's data that the economy added 250,000, 253,000 new jobs, you know, over the month of April. That brings a total up to 12.7 million jobs created since President Biden took office. And while the unemployment rate is low overall, Black unemployment rate hit 4.7%, which is a record low, um, only a little bit lower than it was last month when it was at 5%. Now, of course, we want to be able to make sure that there are, we're still increasing opportunity for Black folks to be able to, you know, enter the labor market, get good jobs. But this is a pretty remarkable number. So we know what the unemployment rate number says, but do we have any indication as to whether or not that number is impacted uh, by the labor force participation rate? How many folks are actually still out here looking for jobs? Can we can we look? Do we know that number? Can we look at that to to tell any more? about the impact of this new unemployment number? Yes. So the the Black unemployment, the Black labor force participation rate fell a little bit over the course of April from 64.1% to 63%. It actually rose for, for Black women and fell a little bit for Black men. And I'm the former chief economist at the Labor Department, and I'm used to seeing numbers fluctuate a little bit like that month to month. It's because it's a survey. But I think on the whole, we've seen, you know, pretty high and rising labor force participation rate for, for Black Americans and a low a low unemployment rate that's remained low for some time. And so I like to look at the trend lines to see if they hold. And so far, this has been holding pretty firm, which is a, a good sign for the strength of the labor market and a good sign for Black workers. Uh, th- thanks for reminding us. I almost forgot you were at the Labor Department. <laughs> um, 
uh, and speaking of that, we know that during the pandemic recession, so to speak, uh, black women were hit hardest in terms of job losses for for reasons that I'm not sure I understand. If, if you have an answer that, feel free. But as we break down the lower black employment rate this month, do you have a breakdown in terms of black women and black men? You alluded to black women be, uh, going up in the labor force participation rate. Yes. Yes, I do. I do have the numbers for black men and black women. And this is for for men and women 20 years and over, I should say. So for black women, it was 4.4%. And for black men, it was 4.5%. Now those numbers, they kind of look funny when you break them out. That's that's a product of the survey, but also say that's also still fairly low for black women and for black men. And black men's unemployment rate actually fell um, from March to April. Uh, and that's also you know, a good sign. I, and yes, you're absolutely right. Black women were shit really hard during the pandemic recession. They also participate in the labor market at higher rates than other other women of other racial and ethnicity groups. Is that right? I didn't know that. Black women participate in, in higher numbers in, in, in terms of labor force. At a higher rate, yes, than, than white women, for instance. And so, you know, labor market outcomes really can sometimes make or break financial security for a lot of black women, which is why, you know, it's so important to build economic recoveries that are, are strong and pro-worker. And that's what President Biden has been focused on for the last two years. And the labor market statistics that we saw today kind of underscore the importance of that. So uh, in, I want to stay on black women for a moment because the losses were so heavy during the pandemic. We often have been judging the subsequent years based upon whether or not we're back at pre-pandemic rates. So it, are, are, is uh, are black women's is the black is a black women's labor force participation rate back at the pre-pandemic rate now has has that been recovered i'd have to check to see if it's exactly recovered but it has been at least near where it was pre-pandemic and i know the unemployment rate is is significantly lower okay so on, the, on the whole this has been a pretty good labor market for black women we're also seeing it on another dimension which is black women switching into jobs that have better wages and better job quality mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um you and i talked about the debt limit last time lord knows we don't need that to explode because this will yeah. tell, tell me. But let me ask you this before we go. Um, the Fed and, and the interest rate piece, um, what what does that will that have any impact on any of this? So, you know, we're certainly tracking what the Federal Reserve is doing, but we respect its independence. And so what we're really focused on here are, you know, labor market outcomes. We continue to track them. We continue to track the impact of the Federal Reserve's policy decisions. But you know, that is a kind of separate entity for us. And we just want to make sure that we are getting towards kind of what we've been calling steady growth. So we don't want a labor market that is moving too fast. We want there to be like steadiness in it. People have job security. They're good jobs, right? Um, people are able to find jobs when they enter the labor market, but we're not seeing too many openings and too few workers or too too many workers and not enough openings. And right now we're starting to approach that sweet spot. All right. I, I didn't mean to Violet separate. Well, that's totally fine. <laughs> that, that, that was an academic question because I failed micro and macro in, in undergrad and I'm still trying to make up for it. So I'm trying to learn all I can. You're uh, doing great. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Folks, uh, always a pleasure to have uh, the Deputy Director of the White House National Economic Council join us here on Make It Plain. Madam Deputy Director, thank you again for joining us and thanks for the thanks good so news. Much. Yes, thanks for having me. Let's keep it up. Yes, <laughs> we'll do our best. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? 
picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket, outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Ladies and gentlemen, looking at the April 2023 jobs report, as always, as we look at every monthly jobs report, glad to have with us once again the chief economist of the Center on Budget and Policy Priorities, centeronbudget.org. Chad Stone joins us. Hey, buddy. Happy spring. Hey, happy spring. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess it's still well, it's still not as warm as I think some of us would like it to be, but. Not, you know, not yet. Not yet. Uh, congratulations. Uh, you, your Phillies have Bryce Harper back, too. Uh, they do. Um, yesterday was a good day for my Philly teams with the with the 76ers beating the Celtics and the Phillies beating the the, the Red Sox. But that was after some some losses to those two teams that's right right. up and down up and down up and down yep that's sport that's the nature of it but in terms of the jobs report uh, not down it continues to be up doesn't it it does it does um it was it was it was it was a pretty good jobs report in many ways um but um payroll employment uh, when you when when in the survey that asks people that asks firms how many people do you have on your payroll, um, it was up. It was up. Um, let me get get the number right. Two hundred fifty three thousand jobs, but there were substantial revisions to the two previous months. Um, so 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 the uh, the 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 monthly job pace is still pretty pretty strong. Um, it's 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 well above the. 100,000 jobs or so that is consistent with uh, full employment ongoing. So we're uh, so we're um, we're really creating jobs at a, at a, at a very good pace and, and that's good. Um, and, and the unemployment rate went down, um, although also for for uh, a complicated reason having to do with um, the, which we'll get to when we talk about the household side, if you want to continue with the jobs. So steady numbers every month continuing yeah uh, but but at a slowing pace and so why is that is that because um there are we've reached a critical mass of people coming back in yeah that i mean that's that that's 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 a pretty good way to describe it um the very strong numbers we've had um 200,000 jobs a month, over 200,000 jobs a month for over 
over a year, except with the revisions last month was a little bit under 200,000. And that's actually well above what's necessary to keep the, to keep the unemployment rate from, from rising. Um, and so, and, and, and also we've, we've had such strong job creation for so long that we're actually above the projections that the Congressional Budget Office made for the, this, this year, um, the pan, uh, when it, when it, when it made its pre-pandemic projections before everything went haywire. So we're doing better than, than uh, the, the longer term projection was um, in, in 20, uh, early 2020. Um, so so it's, really, it's really been very strong growth and we had a good policy response to the pandemic that got us back from the very deep uh, recession uh, pretty fast, but um, the, the pace of job creation of around 200,000 or, or so is above the 100,000 or maybe even a little less than that. That's all that's necessary to keep up with population growth. So we're doing really well, um, but we will, be see, we, we will be slowing, not for a bad reason, but because we're, we're at full employment. So it's hard to get more people. It's hard to, to, to get more jobs and, and more people in. And that is also reflected, I, I wonder, in the labor force participation rate, Chad? Um, yes. So, so on the household side, the, the, the survey that asks people, are you working, looking for work, uh, not in the labor force, not looking for work, what, what's, the lab, what's the state, the employment status of people in your household? That's the household survey. Um, it, the headline number is for the population 16 and over. Um, and there, the um, to get to the participation rate, the participation rate for the 16 and over population is, is below where it was in 2020. But that is largely for demographic reasons. Um, my baby boom generation has largely moved out of the labor force, not me, but my, my generation. Um, and, and that puts a downward, that, that creates a downward trend in the labor force participation rate because the, the older retired population is a bigger share of the population. If we look at the prime age working age, uh, the prime age labor force participation rate, prime age is ages 25 to 54. That's the convention for, for people in their prime working years. Um, that's actually um, has risen above where it was at the start of the uh, it, it, above where it was just before the, the recession. So where, where it was in February, 2020. So that's really good news that, that, that people, people are back to work and, uh, and, and um, the, the, the economy is, is good in that, in that, in that sense. The, the household numbers were a little bit weak because um, we had, um, let me let me get get the numbers right. Um, the number of the number of people the employment the number of people with a job went up by one hundred and thirty nine thousand, and the number unemployed went down by one hundred and eighty two thousand. 
And that meant that the labor force actually shrank a little bit because the labor force is the sum of the number of people with the job and the sum, sum of and, and the people actively looking for a job. So um, again, some slowing, um, but still um, still positive employment employment gains on the and, and, and a drop in unemployment. Both of those things are, are good, but but what would be uh, we'd like we'd like to well. I'll, I'll stop there. <laughs> no, that's fine. But now, just since you brought that up, I, I haven't asked you this before because I'm sure people may, this may be a question, I'm anticipating a question yeah. people may have in their minds as they listen to us. The, the, the prime age workers, 25 to 54. Maybe I can get to 25, but the 54, because most of us do work in these days well beyond 54, don't we? How, how does that how do they come up with that? And well, that, well, that, that, that number need to be updated. Um, I'm not sure it needs to be updated because yeah. there, there's still a, we still have early retirements um, in the, in the 54 to 60, well, and now 67, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So there's still, there's, there still are early retirements and there, there's a fall off. In, in labor force participation, yeah. Now, the the White House and others are touting something else from April. The uh, the all time lowest black unemployment. Um, yes. Spoke with Joelle Gamble, Deputy Director, White House Economic Council. She came on the show. She made this announcement, mm -hmm. and I've corrected her. I said, with all due respect. Uh, Chad Stone of Center on Budget and I, and I gave you your number, reported from 2016 to 2020 that it was Donald Trump that had the lowest black unemployment. Uh, that you and I had quantified that. I'm just joking, y'all. But that's what <laughs> that's what that's what he was saying. Um, but apparently that is the case. And as I look at this number too, Chad, the first time and you and I have talked about this at nauseum, and and everybody knows it. Uh, normally the black unemployment rate, no matter what, no matter how low it is, is always twice. This is the first time I can remember where it's actually not twice close. It is low, but it's also not twice the white unemployment rate for a change. That's, that, that, that's correct. Um, now, to, to, be, to, be, to be fair um, on, the, on, the Trump, on the Trump claim, I, if, if, he, if he was claiming that it was the, blow, the lowest in, in history, he was wrong, but, but but um, but it did get low in the in the Trump administration because we until the pandemic, um, and 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 so for for a little while in in the strong economy of 2018 and 2019, the economy was strong then too. So was the labor market. Um, the the gap the gap had gotten below two, and uh, and black unemployment was 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 fairly low. But this is this is a this is a real this is a real first in history uh, low uh, on the on, on black unemployment and on the size of the gap. What why do you what do you attribute that to, Chad? What are your thoughts about what's going on with black employment that that has made that so? Well, we we have a strong economy. We have all those jobs being created, mm -hmm. and and that that. That's good for everybody. I mean, black unemployment 
does fall when the economy is improving and and the and the economy is is in a a very strong place and and thank goodness to a degree um, black workers are 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 getting some of the benefits of that and that and that happens um we talk about the 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 two the, the twice the white but 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 the rate the, the rate goes up and down over the business cycle. When the economy is in recession, the black rate is much worse than the white. And when the economy is in better shape, the black rate is closer, but still with a gap. And, but this, this time, this time we got really good, um, a really good outcome. White House is, uh, is, is, deserves to, to be happy about that. Yeah, yeah. No, we all do. Yeah. But the other thing about it too, I, I'll just share with you, speaking with our friend, uh, uh, William Spriggs, mm-hmm. uh, Howard University professor and also uh, chief economist at the AFL-CIO, um, as as Bill does, put a, a very ex- extraordinary analysis to it. He said to me, he said, Mark, this confirms and, and explode, it explodes the myth that African-Americans are lazy and not looking for jobs, one and that there are African-Americans who are unskilled and unqualified for jobs. That if nothing else, this shuts that down. You can't have it both ways. You can't have everybody applying for jobs and folks actually getting jobs, and then folks still run around with this new, oh, black folk don't want to work, or black folk aren't, we can't find any qualified black people. So, <laughs> you know, you, you can't just apply that to this moment and, 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 and deny the numbers. So that's, this is, this is good news. But I just, I, as you were speaking, I did just confirm. So even in the Trump numbers, folks, um, it still was twice. It got low, but it still was double. And as Chad now said, historically, that has always been, if if white unemployment was 1%, black unemployment was going to be two. Now, even that would be a, a low number. That's never happened for either either group. But this is actually the first time I, I think that, that, that we know of or that's been recorded where it actually is not double. It, it's not. It's not the first time. There have there have been times. Okay, right. Yeah, it, but this, the the two things together. The, the, the together, right, right. The the it being low and it not being double is uh yeah. is is important. So, um, do we get comfortable with this, or is again, as always, ask you, is anything we need to be concerned about? So the Fed um, went up with the interest rate a tick, didn't it? It did, but it also gave a pretty strong signal that nothing is now baked. No, no further rates are baked in the cake. They're going to be looking at economic data coming in over the over the time between now and the, the June meeting, and um, probably they won't be raising rates because the economy will be um, it will not inflation will be coming down a little bit more. And the economy will be um, healthy, uh, but not um, not overheating a whole lot. So it's possible that they've reached the the, the point where they're gonna they're gonna stay where they are. They're gonna stay at the at the rate they they're at, which is the interest rate that they, they've raised their target rate to for quite a while until inflation really is coming down to where they want it to be, uh, or, or looks like it's moving quickly down to where they want it to be. But um, they're not going to, they're probably not going to be raising rates again. However, we have another threat, which is the debt ceiling. If we actually, if we actually 
we actually breach the debt ceiling, um, that can that can be very very bad news uh, for the economy and for jobs. Um, yeah. If, if it's not quickly quickly reversed, but even even just building up to it, interest rates are going market interest rates are going up in anticipation of. Take, taking into account the possibility right. that it, we actually could go over could go over the cliff in this game of chicken that the, that the Congress is playing. Default, defaulting on a debt limit would not just affect the, the, the interest rate or the market rate. Talk to us a little bit more about what it would do to jobs and employment. So if we actually so, so to be clear, what the debt limit is, what the what the debt limit does is say that um, you cannot once the debt reaches a certain amount, you can the government cannot spend money on things that it's already promised to spend money on, because they can, it cannot borrow to spend money on things that it's promised to, to pay. And if you actually go over, and then. People don't get social security checks. People don't get SNAP benefits. Businesses uh, that with government contracts don't get paid. If that goes on for any length of time, you're in a recession. And unlike, because, because people's spending is going down, a drop in spending is what precipitates a recession. And if, um, if you're in a recession and you can't borrow, then you don't have the ability to provide the normal kinds of, of support for the economy. Extra weeks of unemployment insurance benefits, um, the, 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 maybe, maybe some, uh, some state and local government um, relief. But, but you, can't, you can't provide it because you can't borrow to prop up the economy and to relieve the hardship of unemployed workers. So it's really, it's really very bad news. If now, is the probability of our going over high, high? No, but is it not low enough to be comfortable? <laughs> I mean, the risk is risk is there, and um, and we don't know what there's. There are many people in the Congress talking very um, recklessly, as though they don't understand what what's involved with the debt. And that that could be a problem with actually getting getting a resolution. Well, you know, um, we're you know, Chad's nonpartisan, Senator for Budget nonpartisan. But if you listen, if y'all listen, read between the lines, the the, the recklessness is not without uh, a partisan agenda. So if we know things are going well now, and it's something somebody can do to wreck it, so it's not <laughs> for the White House to not be successful. I mean, that's what it's all about. To, to to do that, then that's obviously what people are going to do. But I don't know. I, I just don't see the, um, for lack of a better terminology, the, the, the captains of industry and the corporate world um, being desirous of that either. It's just not. And you, and you mentioned the government stuff and people government, but this this also obviously would overlap and impact private employers too, would it not? Private employers with government contracts, for sure. 
Yeah, but I mean, even those who don't have government contracts. Oh, if there's a recession. Yeah, the, the reset. Yeah, they're going to be yeah. affected by all of that. Yeah, too. yeah, no, that's how the recession happens. Is people people don't have right. people lose lose the money to spend on on all the things they spend on, and that includes plenty of businesses that don't have any any government obligation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, all of that is uh, all of that is very important. Um, okay. Okay. So, I kept. I kept I, we're nonpartisan. I kept my stone face on during that. You did. And you you were you were quiet. He knows we've been doing this long. He knows the cues, y'all. I say stuff like that. He knows I say things. So he's yeah. he's good. He's <laughs> he's 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 covered. Uh, just to go back for the Fed to the Fed for a minute because we've also had a conversation about this issue of of uh, of wages and and where is that this in this past month's report wage growth up or down and how does that impact with the Fed. You said you don't think they're going to do anything else, but what does wage growth have to do with that? Is that one of the yep. reasons? So, so wage growth was higher this month than the Fed would like for a somewhat complicated reason that that um, what the what the Fed says and what what some other economists say is that the pace of wage growth. Around four, four to four to five percent, is too high to be consistent with the Fed's inflation target. Now, instead of trying to explain all that, I'll, I'll just say what what the Fed would like to see happen. What the Fed would like to see happen is the economy moving down to two percent um, inflation and wage growth slowing to something like three and a half percent. But because that wage growth is above inflation, real wages are actually going up. And so that's a good thing. So when you say, well, well, the Fed doesn't want wages to go up, that wage growth is a problem. You say, wait a minute, what about the workers? And so the, the path that we're looking for is one in which people's, people's real wages actually go up as as their nominal wages go down because inflation is going down faster because because real wages are the are the what's 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 left over after inflation uh, or, or or yeah or, or what how, how much how much spending power you how much your spending power actually goes up as a result of the wage that you get that's what the real wage measures if the nominal wage if most of it's inflation you're not doing that well yeah. If more than it is inflation, you're doing, you're falling behind. And so we're looking for wages to go down, but inflation to go down faster so that purchasing power of that wage goes up. And so, um, uh, you, so lastly, you, you said that it is slow, things are good, but it's slowing. Uh, is it going to get any slower? Or is this going to be? Is this going to even out? It sounds like we don't have. If if the debt limit is resolved, we don't have much to worry about, right? Right. Um, well, the the economists think that um, a normal amount of wage growth at full employment is seventy five to one hundred thousand jobs a month, mm -hmm. and that's and that's good because it maintains full employment. And we're above that, 
So we're probably going to be coming down to that over the course of the next year if everything goes well, um, even without a recession, because there's that's that that's that's what the that's that's what the economy can sustain. Uh, that that's that's what all the economy needs to, to sustain um, full employment. And and if if you have more than that, uh, if you go above full employment, no, we won't get into that about about the concerns about inflation on that. Oh, there's my friend Bill. Speak of speak of the angel, and he yeah. said, "Bill Spriggs is here." Hey man, how you doing? All right, the chief. Economist. How are you doing, Chad? I'm doing well too, Bill. Chad, not doing our mother thing. Chad, I don't know how much time you got, but you're welcome to, to stick around and 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 hear Bill for a few if you like. I would like to do that, but I uh, but I'm pretty sure I know many of the things he'll say, and I actually have another meeting coming up. <laughs> but yeah, well, we're 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 pretty in sync, I think. Usually, I'm <laughs> I'm 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 sure you are. Well, folks, again, uh, Chad, you're welcome to stay. But for those, in case Chad does have to run, uh, folks, Twitter. Chad CBPP for his uh, tweet thread. And it, it's really uh, insightful and it'll give you all the information um, that you'll need to know to be up on things and about this good jobs. I will say this though, Bill, um, um, as you're here, I was saying to Chad, it was sharing with him our offline conversation. And I shared with him your thoughts about, you know, exploding the myth of, of black unemployment and us not either looking for jobs or us being unskilled. But it also came to mind to, to Chad and me, because we've always talked about this has always been the case, even when Trump was taking credit for better numbers of uh, bill. Black unemployment has always pretty much always been, maybe except for a couple of exceptions, twice that of white unemployment. And, and that's not the case in April. So that's a pretty significant milestone, too. So, so Bill, I know, before Chad goes, I don't know if you want to respond to that. And Well, it the ratio has been trending down. So it's not just that it reached a record level or normal economy. When in March of 2020, we blew up the labor market, the, the ratio went to the lowest it's ever been. And in fact, looked the way it should all the time. Everybody wants to harp on this whole thing about it's driven by education, black people need more education, blah, 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 blah. And those are people who have never looked at the numbers, ever, 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 ever looked at the numbers. So what has been remarkable in the last three months is that the unemployment rate for white high school dropouts, white high school dropouts, white people with no education, none. So, you know, the whole myth, Black seven theory education, you don't finish the school that you get, blah, 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 right? White people with no high school education have had an unemployment rate, which is lower, capitals lower, than the black unemployment rate. So when people say, well, black people don't have skills, does white person with the least education has always enjoyed a lower unemployment rate than the black unemployment rate. So when people say, well, you need more education, well, we need the education of white high school dropout. I mean, it doesn't even make sense. It's, it's, it's not even like the possible smell test of credibility. The real key in the last three months have been 
that now education actually matters. We can actually have a discussion about, well, if black people have more education, maybe they'd have a lower unemployment rate because finally we do better than white high school dropouts. And, and even more important, uh, since the first time since 1863, a higher share of black people are working than white people. It's about equal. We had, um, so not in April, but in March, a higher share of black people were working than white people. So, so beyond the unemployment rate, the more important number, <laughs> do you have a job compared to population? Well, for the first time, the share of black people holding a job is the same as the share of white people holding a job. And, and last month in April, education really did matter. So for blacks who have more education, those with associate degrees and college degrees, the labor force participation rate for blacks who have more education is always higher when compared to whites of the same education. So blacks who are college graduates and blacks with associate degrees have a higher labor force participation than whites. The low participation traditionally for blacks comes from those with a high school degree or, or who are dropouts, specifically dropouts. But the unemployment rate for a black person with an associate's degree was lower than the unemployment rate for a white person with an associate's degree last month. These are month to month, don't put a ton into it. But the fact that at least for a month, through the fluke of statistics, at least for a month, education mattered. Black people had more education, had unemployment rates that looked like white people with more education. And, and again, because our labor force participation rate is higher, if you look at it from an employment to population ratio. I mean, it, it, for for blacks with an associate's degree, the share of blacks with and this is this is the bulk of the black workforce has an associate's or some college. So that's why this is an important category. So seventy four percent, roughly seventy four percent of blacks with an associate's degree had a job. This is employment to population ratio. 63% of whites with an associate's degree had a job. And the unemployment rate for a black with an associate's degree was 1.9% compared to 2.8% for whites. We've never been in a labor market where you could actually start having the debate. Now you can have the debate. What if blacks had more education? Now you can have that debate. Now, now is the time to now start arguing that. It took this labor market to finally let us have a reasonable discussion. And so, the, you know, I've been harping for the longest. Why do people keep wanting to do this silly thing about education when that's not how the labor market works for black people? Now it's working that way. It just so I want to be clear. You said associates. What? What's what? Are, is it? A two-year degree. Now I got that, but but degree. in terms of the four-year degree, degree. What not, about four not, degree? not two years of college. The four-year degree, though, that that's up too, right? Is that what you said? Did I understand you correctly? Well, for a four-year degree, 
the unemployment rate for black college graduates is 1.8% and for whites is 1.6%. Wow. Which in statistical terms is equal because there's error in these measures and the black sample is smaller. And so one, arguing about the difference between 1.6 and 1.8 is that's just quibbling. Right. The, but because the labor force participation rate for blacks with college degrees is higher than for whites who have a college degree, then the share of blacks with a college degree holding a job is higher. So 77% of black people with a college degree are working versus 70.8% for whites. Wow. What, what, what's going on? How, what, what is happening that is, that's causing that to happen, uh, Bill? We finally let the unemployment rate stay low long enough that we are getting closer to full employment. And this has been my argument all along. Telling me that I'm in full employment when a white high school dropout gets a job before any black person can get a job, that's not full employment. That's employers being picky. Employers felt, oh yeah, I still would choose a white guy. And the fact that now they have to say, well, I can't just choose a white guy. Now they actually have to hire us. And this is why I've always been angry at people who mischaracterize the labor market, mischaracterize what I've been saying. Oh, you got to run. They characterize me as saying, you got to run the economy so hot and it's impossible. We're in the middle of the NBA playoffs. So, and, and especially now, because, um, you know, a lot of people watching the Warriors and the Lakers. So, so we know from the past when the Warriors did really well during the regular season that Steph Curry is not physically able to do a whole season and then the playoffs. His body just can't take it. So, so, so you, you understand even for an athlete of his condition, and he is an excellent athlete, you can't run the team at full speed. You, you have to, at some point, <clears throat> let him rest. <clears throat> this is similar to thinking about how the economy works. If you want the economy to win, you need staff on the court as much as you can, understanding that at some point, you, 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 if you run them too hard, you will also lose. So you got to find that correct pace. How do I because they run with a small set of players, shorter players, right? And they run faster at the Warriors. So, so I gotta have the right pace. I need them on the court an optimal amount of time. What too many economists have determined in their minds is this. I got a starting lineup. I got that guy from Denver, Jovic. COVID, whatever his name is, Joker, whatever his name is. And I got uh, George Mikan, and I got Larry Bird, and I got Bob Cousy, and I got uh, Jerry West. This is the best team. They got to stay on the court. And I'm like, you're going to have them as the starting five. Yeah, they're the starting five. They're the best players. And I got to run them at a pace so I don't go to the bench. So you don't want to put LeBron in. Are you kidding? Put LeBron in? 
for Larry Bird? Are you serious? That's what these people are saying. They're saying black people will be on the bench, deep on the bench, that there's no black player I would want to put on this court. Because then we're not going to win. And don't those black players want to wear a ring? Well, I got to keep these players out on the court. So don't tell me to speed up the game, because if you're telling me I got to put in LeBron or I have to put in Magic or I got to put in <laughs> Steph Curry, I mean, you know, uh, I'm not going to win. That is what they are arguing. They're arguing that they are at full employment. They are using the most efficient workers in America the most efficiently. And so you just throw up your hands because you don't know what to say to that kind of attitude. And they will argue to death that there's no way you can put those people, get them off the bench because getting them off the bench is a bad thing. So getting them off the bench though, as is, is clearly happening somewhat in this scenario and hopefully it continues. Yes, and hopefully, hopefully some of the mechanisms by which black players or black black workers are being kept out some of those mechanisms we have to hope stay in place so we do know that firms that become federal contractors must file affirmative action hiring plans which means that on paper at least they have to say i've opened my recruitment I seriously look for all sorts of workers. We know that firms have not been doing that in the past. Those firms that do adopt more open hiring practices, who do establish new avenues for recruiting workers, they stay that way. This is great work by Darren Conrad, a professor at Stanford. So, so the, the hope is that because firms are now finally figuring out where they can get black talent, that they're not gonna abandon those recruiting efforts. They won't abandon those challenge, the, those channels to talent if the economy slows down. That's the hope. Um, but e even if that doesn't prove to be the case, the fact the fact that for a couple of months we're riding this, it's I'll take I'll take I'll take this. It I'll, it does something else, which is because the black unemployment rate is always higher, it is harder for black people to have the resume that says I have seven years of experience. And that makes a big difference when you go to get a job. You saying, I had three years here, I was out of the labor force for a year, I got two years there. This looks bad, You go, regardless of anything else, you, you're at a distinct disadvantage. So, so stringing together a, 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 a better resume for, for black workers is, a big change. Okay, so it's, and that was my next question. You know, hoping this wasn't a fluke, and and you you answered that. So, but help us understand too. Help audience understand how William Spriggs. It is beneficial to everyone, 
and the whole economy when they let LeBron James, meaning black workers work, just like Bob Cousy and everybody else. How that how that benefits the overall economy and employment and industry and what have you? Well, because despite the fact that black workers have a higher unemployment rate, doesn't mean that white people don't have unemployment. So, so this this is another one of those, okay, it has a disparate impact on black people, but that's not good if you're white and unemployed to be told, oh, well, at least black people have it worse. It's like, okay, I don't have a job. Somebody else having it worse did not really matter because I don't have a job. So for that, black, for, for that white person, the fact that we're not throwing you out of your job, that's a good thing. The fact that the labor market is forcing employers to compete for workers means that you have a better chance of getting a raise. If you walk into your boss's office and there are 800 people lined up outside saying, I want his job. And you say to the boss, I want a 12% raise. He's looking at 800 people lined up for your job. Eh, maybe if I really love you, I give you the 12% raise, but otherwise I'm calling next. So this myth, there's a myth that's out there. Well, look, this is bad for other workers because when the labor market gets to this point where the view is employers have to pay higher wages, we get inflation and inflation erodes your real wage, this really isn't good. But if you're a worker who has a job, you're better off. But remember, that means you're not getting a raise. When the unemployment rate goes up, you're not getting a raise. So it's not exactly true that, oh, I'm better off. You can say, yes, well, you'll get a real wage increase because we're gonna lower inflation. And we, when we have downturns, um, inflation can actually become negative. We can have prices collapse. And that's what we normally have when we have severe downturn. But look at all, all that means. So my wages are up in real purchasing terms, but I'm not gonna get a raise. But as soon as the bosses, as we are seeing right now, try to make up for the recession by raising prices as they're doing right now and get their profit margins back up, it will take years for me to recover. Real wages are very slow to recover before the pandemic, before March of 2020. Everybody was puzzled. Why aren't wages rising? We've gotten unemployment down. We're at 3%, 4%. Why aren't wages rising? And they weren't doing very much. And we were having a hard time getting back to pre-Great Recession levels. Pre-Great Recession levels. We're in 2019, 2020, arguing why can't we get wages to rise at levels they did in 2007. So, so there's this catch up that never really happens when you have a downturn. You don't fully make up the ground. And when you do, 
then you know you you get the hawks of the world screaming and how oh the labor market's too tight wages going up too much prices are, and then they bid your wages back down so hopefully this isn't a fluke right well it's not so much a fluke as a demonstration of if you get to full employment what does full employment look like and people harp whenever they said spritz doesn't know what he's talking about because we never got here every time we got this close the fed deliberately crashed the economy because the argument was this is going to get us inflation this is bad we don't want these people off the bench if they get off the bench this is a bad thing and so the fed would deliberately start to slow the economy and you hear people constantly saying in 2021 we had two straight quarters of negative gdp growth that does not define a recession but the economy had slowed tremendously and because we had a massive shortage of chips we couldn't do any manufacturing you, you can't finish the car without chips. Telephones are only chips, they're not anything else. So we couldn't do anything. We couldn't make telephones at all. We couldn't complete cars. We, we had hundreds of thousands of cars, literally parked in Detroit, waiting for the chips. And, and of course you couldn't finish dishwashers. You can't finish refrigerator. You can't make manufactured goods because they all have chips in them now. And then everybody was saying, oh, there's inflation. Yes, there's going to be inflation because you can't make anything until the chips come back. But that veil of prices rising in response to the many disruptions that our economy was having instantly put the hawks in place. Oh, the unemployment rate is too low. The earth is going to end. The dragon is going to eat us. Um, you know, gloom and doom. And they convinced everybody that the Fed doesn't know what it's doing. The Fed should have slowed down the economy. We had two straight quarters of slow growth, but they're saying the Fed hadn't slowed the economy. So we're not worried about Fed doing any more right now, are we? I hope they aren't. I certainly hope they aren't. I have been very disappointed with them in their messaging. They, they have talked down the economy because they've been bullied into this position that the economy should grow slower and, and that the economy is growing too quickly. And it has been so frustrating that in their messaging, they repeat this nonsense. And they repeat an impatience with the rate at which prices are falling. And so they give so much aid to the Republicans who want to complain about Joe Biden and the infrastructure bill, which they now say, if you want us to raise the debt ceiling, you have to get rid of the infrastructure bill. You have to get rid of the, the um, Inflation Reduction Act. You got to get rid of that Inflation Reduction Act. You can't have, you know, in investments in the environment that we know we need to make. We can't make these investments to convert us towards electric cars so that American auto workers can be competitive for where the market is going. China is already committed to going to electric cars. 
They are the largest auto market in the world. They are now joining us as among the leading exporters of automobiles, but they want us to rescind that so that our auto workers will be 19th century. <laughs> the, the, we'll be back to when Henry Ford started, not Henry Ford of the 20th century. They want us to be Henry Ford of the 19th century because the global markets are all going to electric cars. So, so the rhetoric of the Fed feeds into this notion that Biden's done this horrible thing. But if, if you're black, you're going, okay, so black women are already back in terms of the employment population ratio, the share of black women who hold the job to pre-Great Recession levels ahead of white women. Black people are holding jobs at the same rate as white people. We had record low child poverty. And you're saying that Joe Biden is doing a bad job, like, and so everybody's convinced of this because, oh yeah, it's because of inflation and he caused the inflation. He's the reason why we didn't get chips. He's the reason why the oil industry was disrupted by Russia. He's the reason why the fertilizer industry was disrupted because of Russia. He's the reason why food prices are high because the three main grain producers of the United States, Ukraine and Russia. He's the reason. And that's why, you know, we're not doing well. It, it has been disturbing listening to the press and economists have not been helpful because there are too many economists on this bandwagon. Look, in, in the last four months, while we've been generating jobs at close to 180,000 a month, close to 200,000 a month, it slowed down a little bit, but in the ballpark, the unemployment rate has stayed the same. So, so the idea that we can't generate jobs at this pace is just not true. We, the unemployment rate is dependent on how many people want to be in the labor market. And so what has been happening is, yes, we're creating jobs that appear to be at a very fast rate, but at the same time, labor force participation has been picking up, particularly for Black and Hispanic workers, which is how Black workers got this employment to population ratio to be the same as for whites, because our labor force participation has been going up much faster than theirs. They are an older population than the black population. People over 50 have been very slow to return after COVID for health reasons, and some of them got COVID. And so for other reasons, those over 50 have not been returning. But for the first time in this century, we're seeing significant increases in workers under 25. And the majority of workers under 25 are people of color, they're not white. And, and so for the first time we're seeing under 25 with increasing labor force participation. And because those under 25 were better educated than those over 50, we're actually changing the educational composition of the workforce in addition to changing the racial composition. So, so when you see the unemployment rate for Blacks with college and associate degrees, higher educated Black people doing well, that's because skill sets have shifted, the age of the workers have shifted, 
employers are now replacing these older workers with these better educated younger workers. And with a tighter labor market, those are a lot of black people. Lastly, uh, you, you, you alluded to it, but, but your take on the debt limit and what that would do to this employment, positive employment scenario, what that would do to the economy. I mean, obviously we know that can't happen. We can't afford it. You think they're really gonna uh, mess up the debt limit? I mean, cause that wouldn't help white workers either. It wouldn't help white folks. It would ruin things for white workers. The discussion of the debt limit is already ruining things. The fact that the rest of the world is watching us debate, are we gonna pay our bill is ruining it. When you look at how the bond markets are responding and what it's costing the government to borrow money and what the markets are telling us, they're nervous and they shouldn't be nervous. And the press again has done a horrible job in discussing this. Congress has already had budgets. They voted on budgets, which means they already voted this debt. And, and it's getting reported as if, oh, all of a sudden this is something new and Congress is, the Republicans are holding America in check. We're not gonna borrow more money. We're gonna be, it's like this deal has already been voted on, discussed, debated, this is a done deal. The thing is, the bill is now coming and we're authorizing the signing of the checks. This is late in the process for somebody to suddenly say, yeah, I know I put my credit card out there. Yeah, I know I bought that stuff, but I want to debate again whether I'm going to pay for it. It's like, you, you, you can't do that. You make people very nervous when you say that, wait, time out, we thought your IOU was good. The United States is not a young country. People misinterpret history because we're so Eurocentric and we teach it in a weird way that people think of the European countries as being older than the United States. The United States as a government is older than those governments. Germany as a create, most of those nation states as we understand the modern Germany, the modern Italy, the modern France, those are creations of the 19th and 20th century. The United States already existed when these countries formed in their current status. And, and that's why we have all these immigrants because they were warring amongst themselves in these little states. Uh, that's how we got all these Italian immigrants because Italy as a country, as we understand Italy is a new country. The United States has never defaulted on its debt. These other entities, over that same period since 1795 have created new countries, new currencies, defaulted, refaulted, created new currencies again. They don't have the history of the United States. The longevity of the United States does not default on a debt. If you saw the musical Hamilton, it may have gone past some people but there's this scene with this huge debate between Hamilton and Jefferson over the debt of the United States in which Hamilton argues with Jefferson. Jefferson wants to say all these debts, we're Virginia, we don't have to pay the debt of New York, we don't have to pay the debt of Massachusetts, uh, we just pay the debt of Virginia. And Hamilton said, no, 
the United States is a young country at that point, and we have to be good to our debts. Hamilton established this as how you define U.S. policy. You don't default on debt. This is unique to the United States, never have defaulted. So people like to hold U.S. Treasury notes. People like to hold U.S. bills because it means something. It's an IOU that you know will get paid. If you start debating that, then people get real nervous, like, but this is Argentina, Guatemala. Right, right. What and country that, is this? Because y'all telling us it doesn't mean anything. Right. And and that whole, you know, it sounds like what you're saying is when people talk about American exceptionalism, that's not just a, an emotion or a feeling. That's something tangible that goes with the reputation you're describing. That's like, yeah, that, okay, I got you. That, that. And of the American exceptionalisms, this one is true. <laughs> yeah. I'll be, I'll be this one is actually true. <laughs> but I mean, but we also know that there are those who, I mean, let's face it. Um, there are those who, who don't want this to happen. They want to, I mean, we're dealing with nihilists who want actually really, to be honest with you, want to destroy America. So they don't care. They'd love to do it. I mean, it's, it's like, I liken it like this, Bill, since, you know, we're doing, I, I love the NBA analogy. Remember during uh, segregation, and Lena Horne used to tell this story a lot, when black artists and entertainers would stay in the white hotels because they may have been performing in that hotel. That was fine, but then they burned the sheets after they left. Black Michelle and Barack sleep in the White House, so we're going to burn the country down. I mean, it's almost just like, that's what it is. Like burning the sheets. We're just going to burn the whole country down because we just, it's soil now. It really isn't, but to them it is. And so I, I, I think folks have to look at it like that. And, and I asked Bill that question for a reason because I think we all need to understand black, white, whatever, brown, uh, what is going on and how those who have these other genders want to tank it for everyone. And this would tank the global economy. It would tank the global economy. Because central banks throughout the world hold U.S. treasuries as their reserve. China, before the Great Recession and the Fed had to bail out our system, China held more U.S. treasuries than the central bank of the United States. If you tell these central bankers your main capital, the thing that you say is the equivalent of gold in the old days, Eh, who knows what it's worth? This is a bunch of pieces of paper. Because the United States says it no longer stands by its own money. It, it would be a global, a global, a global recession of proportions we don't know and don't want to see. And, and we have no understanding of the path forward. If you told me as a spy for Putin, what would be the number one thing you would do? This is what I would do. Wow, th that's heavy. But so, no, I want to be clear. Let's go back to China because what we're told is that we owe China. Mm -hmm. and all, but, but what you're saying is China holds U.S. Treasury mm -hmm. in reserve. Mm-hmm. 
Because remember, so much of what happens in the world is in dollars. You want to buy oil? You need dollars. You want to buy any food, commodities? They're priced in dollars. So if you want to have an economy, you have to get your hand on dollars. And so countries need to hold dollars in reserve so they can protect their currency because if things happen against their currency, they need to be able to find a way to pump some dollars into their system so they can go buy oil and buy food. You can't buy anything in the world that really matters to run an economy unless you hold these dollars. And so China has to protect its currency against these fluctuations. Now we have always, well, we used to, <laughs> accuse the Chinese of deliberately undervaluing their currency so they could undercut us, so they could make their goods appear cheaper than they ought to be. And one way they did that were these excess reserves that they held in dollars so that they could help to manipulate their currency. And so this is so central to how the world works. That's why it would collapse the global economy. And the United States, who, who knows what the path forward would be? Again, because for 200 and almost 30 years, the United States has always paid its debt. People just believe this. They don't even want, this is not like, because all these central banks believe this is like, what do you mean the United States is not gonna pay its debt? So, so how does the United States recover from that? If people start saying, eh, your credit score is so good. And, and, and as a nation, because for decades now, we have been importing more than we export, our current deficit with the world is huge. We, not just the federal government, as a nation, we owe the world. They're all fine. They're like, you're good. You're good. We're holding your dollars. You're good. Don't worry. We're not worried. You don't need to worry. But suddenly you're telling them, hey, you know the $10 billion we owe you? Eh, maybe we'll pay you. Maybe we won't. You can't be in that position when you owe this much money. You mm -hmm. cannot be in that position. As a, just think from your household balance sheet, if you walked up to your bank and said, eh, you know that mortgage note. Eh. Wow. Folks, he is the chief economist at the AFL-CIO, also professor in the Department of Economics at Howard University, where President Biden is delivering the commencement speech this coming weekend. Uh, follow him as well on Twitter. Again, you can follow Chad, Chad CBPP on Twitter and follow William Spriggs, W Spriggs on Twitter. Keep up with our good friends. They, they make us smarter, don't they? Thank you, Bill. Thanks for having me. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. As always, perform an act of kindness on behalf of an elder or young person. Write a letter to a sister or brother who just so happens to find her or himself incarcerated. Offer libations to the ancestors upon whose sturdy shoulders we all now stand. And above all, give thanks to the God of your understanding by whatever name you call her and him. All God asks of us is that we give each other love. Thanks for giving MIP love. And please remember to subscribe and give us a five-star rating if all hearts and minds are clear.
It has been Made Plain.